Hello my lovely, this is Meike Thang, and before we jump into today's amazing episode, I want to let you know that all of this is brought to you by my Ultimate Podcast Guesting Workshop Series. This is something that you might want to look into if you want the A to Z process on how you can book yourself on a line podcast as a guest expert in order to expand your reach to new audiences, grow your email list, and deepen business relationships with fellow leaders as well. And all of this by not having to send a ton of pitches in the process or needing to outsource to an external PR agency. So is this something that you're interested in learning more about? Head on over to the show notes or you can head straight to makeathang.com forward slash UPG to find out if this is a right fit for you. And I recently just added a video widget in the bottom right hand corner. So if you are stuck or if you do have a question that's not quite clear on the invitation page, you can send me a direct message. Please be sure to leave your name and email after your question as well. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. All right, that's it from me. Now let's get back to the episode. Hello, my lovelies. This is Meike Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. I'm super excited to be back onto this podcast today and surrounding a topic that's actually been proven in the the stats of, of this whole podcast ever since it came to be that the topic of LinkedIn is actually very, very popular. And so when I met my dear friend, Tanya Basacharya, I've noticed that this is her zone of genius. And so when I started seeing her show up on LinkedIn, because I'm still kind of finding my footing there, <laughs> um, seeing how she talks about being lazy on LinkedIn, which is very much actually about having a life first approach to LinkedIn, I knew I had to bring her onto the podcast. So Tanya, thank you so, so much for being here today with us. Thank you for the invitation. It's so good to be here. I've been such a longtime listener of this podcast. So to be on it is just a joy and a treat. And I can't wait to see what we get into. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I did not know that you're a longtime listener. I was like, oh, <laughs> just like having this moment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, absolutely love it. So, um, yes, before we get into all of the good stuff about how we can be lazy on LinkedIn, which is actually very much about showing up in a much more intentional present way, which I completely advocate for, by the way, I would love to just take a step back for a moment. And for our lovely listeners who don't have the pleasure of knowing you yet, like, what do you do in your business? And actually, what led you to becoming this, this uh, LinkedIn expert? Yeah, so I really support, you know, mission-driven humans and building a personal brand on LinkedIn that really drives change and raises revenue. And I come from the nonprofit world. Before I started my um, consulting firm, I worked for a, for one nonprofit for 12 years, which is kind of rare. 
but I just loved the mission so much. I started working there right out of college. Actually, I hadn't even graduated yet, but it was, um, and they're still around. It's an addiction treatment program for women, pregnant women and women with their children. And so one of the things that I would do is, you know, I was in marketing, I was in fundraising. And so I would collect impact stories to share in our, you know, just various places. And so I started like very organically, just kind of figuring out a process to really sit with people and witness their story and help them craft a recovery narrative for themselves that was different than the narr- than the story that they had about themselves maybe in their addiction you know which was very much filled with shame guilt um you know ne- a negative perception of themselves and their story but as we got into it they started to see the courage that was really present in their decision to make you know to get re- to get sober um the resilience that they had right the vision that they had for their future for themselves for their families and so as they started to tell a different story about themselves, I also witnessed, you know, how they started to just advocate for themselves differently in their lives, you know, in their potential and potentially in their court dates, in their job searches, with their family members, just everywhere. And so that process kind of showed me the power of storytelling and especially of like having a having an empowering story about ourselves, like how important that is. Um and so, you know, I grew in that organization. And I eventually became the executive director like about 10 years in. And so, you know, as the executive director, if any of you listeners have, you know, worked in the nonprofit space or volunteered on a board, you know how many hats, you know, nonprofit leaders wear. Days would start, you know, bright and early, sometimes at the crack of dawn with a phone call from a referral source trying to place a patient in care. You know, I live in California, but we had people from all over the, actually all over the world technically because of how unique our services were. So, you know, we were just, I was always kind of on call. And then sometimes I'd end, you know, after 7 p.m. with like a grant reception dinner or just all kinds of stuff. But so many amazing things were happening on a daily basis. You know, kids were saying, I love you again to their moms after, mm. you know, so many years of being afraid to do that. Um, just so many, so many, so many impactful stories. And I was like, you know, the people who are here on campus see these stories, but there are so many people out there who have a who could potentially make a huge impact on our mission who have no line of sight into what's going on here and so i challenged myself to tell one impactful story per week on linkedin because of out of all of the social media platforms that was the one that i felt like the movers and the shakers were on you know and for for me in that position it's kind of different now obviously as a consultant but back then, you know, uh, program officers for foundations, like local corporate business uh, CEOs, you know, who could sponsor our fundraising events, people who could really, you know, make a difference in our work. And so I would tell one impactful story per week, and I would devote one hour to doing that work. And, you know, I would, you know, um, send a little message to somebody and build a relationship with them. I would do these different things to nurture the audience that I had and that was growing and share a story. And Meike, like at first, it felt like nothing was happening. It felt very inconsequential. It felt mm-hmm. like why I, I could be spending this hour doing so many other things, but I kept at it. I was like, let me just devote this time. And probably after about two to three months, I feel like everything changed, you know, like, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you watched the Avatar, The Last Airbender, but like, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. The fact that you just went to that reference, I was like, yes, we are destined to be friends. <laughs> we are destined to be friends. There's like that line from the intro where it's like, when the Fire Nation, like everything changed, you know? Yes. So this wasn't like a Fire Nation attack. It was like the opposite. It was like a great thing, but it felt like everything changed for our organization. Like I, we started getting invited to PR opportunities without pitching, you know, local corporate leaders started reaching out to us to ask how they could support our fundraising event versus me, like just knocking on every door, trying to raise money. We started getting organic referrals from therapists and attorneys and different folks just from like top of mind awareness. And so even though we were a very small nonprofit, we were a pretty small shop, we grew a really, really large voice um, and just built our influence just from building a personal brand on LinkedIn, you know? And so that showed me the power of LinkedIn. And as I started my consulting business, like my marketing consulting business, I was like, what if I niche down into LinkedIn and just use the same strategies I learned sort of like on the job? And um, and so far, it's been pretty amazing. So I'll I'll pause my mic there. I feel like I've been babbling for a while. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Like, I, I'm just I'm just like listening so intently. I'm like, oh, yes, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely love that. And I thank you for speaking to just kind of like how it feels at the beginning, because I think the heart, sometimes the hardest place to start is at the very beginning. Um, whenever mm. I, I notice, for example, um, how unwilling some folks are, will, uh, are, sorry, how unwilling folks are when it comes to trying something new because not many people actually like feeling like a beginner in something we like talking right. about when we've progressed so for example and um, just like a completely um almost irrelevant but it's still kind of relevant um example um like I only started my dance journey in mm. uh let me see about 12 months ago and I documented right from the get-go and like I look back on those and I'm like oh gosh it it, it haunts me <laughs> like just looking at it <laughs> but um you know I have kept going I went to a class yesterday after having a little bit of a break and I absolutely it just reinvigorated that feeling of like oh yes I may not be as sharp as I w- was when I went every single week several times a week but I still love it and then when I invite my friends or you know some family members to join me they, they I can see like oh no 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 like I don't want to because they don't like fumbling they they don't like yes. looking as if like you know they are completely new to something but that is the most humble place that you could start you know when I thought, you don't yeah that's a really great point. I love how you brought that up. This is something I geek out on a lot. And so I, one of my favorite things, it's like a very weird niche thing. One of my favorite things is to find the first project from somebody who's like, no, like really, really well known as a creator, like their first YouTube video, their first podcast yes. episode, their first, and it's just like to see their progression. progression and to that yeah. point, because you and I are like actually friends and I can, I've been watching along your Instagram journey of your, dan- of your dancing. And I think you actually posted a video once of like the top and the bottom, the top was your first time. Oh yeah. And the bottom was, was like now. And it was amazing. It was amazing <laughs> to see the progression. We don't see it ourselves because we're in it every day, but to be able to see that, that, um, 
comparison is, is just a really fun thing. And it's a reminder that nobody's an overnight success and all of the energy we're putting into our work is really, is, is paying dividends. Like, you know, I'm a big James Clear fan. And one of the things he says is there's no, no energy is ever wasted. It's only stored. And so all of the things that we're doing and like pouring into our visibility, it's all making a difference, whether it's like it visible or not. Yes, absolutely. I think of the iceberg theory there. Yeah. Um, when it comes to being visible, like you'll see the efforts probably only yeah. about 20% of the time and 80%, like all the people who are actually listening and reading and watching your content, they will not really let themselves be seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. And But you may just find that they come out of the woodwork suddenly when you have something to offer. Or um, I find my my community tends to come out of the woodworks when something's going down and um Mm. I'm and I'm kind of like my confidence is shaken like say if I got like a really awful hater email I remember like I shared with my audience about it and you know it was was very horrific um hater email Mm. and suddenly a flood of replies came to this email like don't give up on yourself and it's like like no 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 like what you what you say does matter Your, your story actually is really important this person just you know it's just like misdirected their rage or, or something like that. And so all that to say, you never know who is watching your videos or reading your post or listening to your voice on a podcast. But, you know, like you said, um, there is no energy that's wasted. It's just stored, right? That's it. And the, the lurking is especially real on LinkedIn. Yes. Like I feel oh, like okay. more than any other platform, like people are just, um, you know, I, uh, I had Mariah cause on my podcast once and I want to be sure to cite her because she has this quote around like people are lurking in luxury. They're just like waiting in the <laughs> wing, <laughs> right? Like it's so good. They're just like watching, waiting for you to put something out that really resonates with them and creates that emotional connection with them. They are watching and internalizing. They're not making the most noise. They're not even necessarily liking stuff, but I have a little test for this. So my test for this is if you're on LinkedIn and you're feeling like you're not really getting a lot of engagement or you're feeling like nobody's really watching, or you're just kind of feeling demoralized around that, put out like a, put out a really beautiful, valuable freebie that you know that your audience will vibe with and put together a beautiful post about it, why it's important, why somebody would want it. And just watch the downloads or like the signups start to trickle in and cross-reference the people who are downloading your freebie with the people who are liking your LinkedIn post. And so often all of the people who are opting into your freebie, like they're not liking your LinkedIn posts. You know, they're not, they're not visibly <laughs> taking any action, but they are watching, they're internalizing, they're building trust in you. And they, you know, that, 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 that trust building work is not visible. And I think that's one of the hardest things for us as we're building a brand, but um, that's where it takes faith. That's where it takes mm. faith. That is, that is working. You know, oh, I I love that you've mentioned this. And when when you said that the lurking uh, lurking in luxury by um, Mariah Cos, I literally thought of people on lounge chairs <laughs> 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 and like they're, they're watching like this big screen TV um, for like all the things that you're posting. It's like mm, no, not not there yet. Like, oh, okay, this could be. And it just reminded me that social currency is very real right? The yes. things that we show response to, if people are seen liking something, it gives an insight into what they value. And right. some people are just not completely open with that. There's actually a reason why, um, so I'm a huge fan of um, using Instagram because um, that versus like posting in the public Facebook group, for example. Because right. when 
um, when I post my Instagram stories, no one knows who is voting whatever on the poll. No one knows who's responding to my prompts on this story because it goes straight to my DMs. It's all private. And so I yes. think that, that is a huge reason why. Like my community in particular are definitely lurkers <laughs> and like loving lurkers, of course. Um, so it's just a, a testament um, to the fact that social currency is a real thing. And I love that yeah. little test that you've given us as well. So hmm, like cross-reference, like of folks who are actually downloading your freebies and your resources, are they actually the same people who actually show openly and publicly that they're liking your stuff on LinkedIn? Right. And usually they're not. And and to your point though, about the Instagram poll, sometimes I have a little bit of FOMO because I, I'm very active on Instagram, but just for my personal purposes, like I yeah. share a lot of food. I share a lot of <laughs> pictures of my dog. Like I don't use it for business at all. Um, and sometimes I get a little jealous because I see all the features they have, which LinkedIn, like they are a little bit behind on like the features <laughs> and whatnot, but they do have a polls feature, which is really, really, um, kind of beautiful in terms of confidentiality because mm-hmm. people can't see how other people vote. You can see as the creator of but you know it is technically confidential. And so that oh. is a really great way to get people's insights is doing a LinkedIn poll. And what I like to do is on the back end in the poll, I I can see how people have voted in my poll and there's a little button it looks like an arrow where you can actually send people a direct message that shows them like hey this is how you voted in the poll. And then you can send them a little message like, oh, I noticed that you picked this option. I actually have a resource just for you based on how you voted, right? Mm. And then you can send them whatever resource that is. So that's a little trick I like to use to to really build resonance and, and personalize that outreach, you know? Yes. Oh, I love that. And I did not know about the fact that when you vote on a poll, only the creator can see, but no one else can see because on a Facebook group poll, I've noticed, um, it shows like the little profile pictures of all the people who yes. voted as best option. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, I'm actually quite a lurker myself. Maybe we should all um, reflect ourselves. Are we lurkers? <laughs> such a good point. That is such a good point, actually, because I am, I am, I am definitely one of those. I'm on the lounge chair. I'm drinking my fruity drink with the umbrella on it. And I'm just scrolling. Like if I, if I see you, like if I see a bestie share something, I will like it. But for the most part, even if it's something I really resonate with, I don't always like it. I love it like in my mind. And then I kind of move on. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, I think that would be like a, a lovely little um, exercise um, for yeah. ourselves. Like the people who we've invested the most in, like, are we lurkers in their community? <laughs> right, right, right. Especially this summer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, all right. So we've talked a lot about lurking <laughs> just in general, <laughs> in general behaviors. And so like to really tie it back specifically to LinkedIn, yeah. So, um, yeah. How did you? I know that you mentioned that you sh- you shared um, impact stories, and then you didn't really see traction. You know, at the top of the iceberg, the twenty percent, but slowly but surely it grew, and it became a place that you knew was going to be helpful to build your brand and business. So, yeah. when you mentioned to people that you know your your expertise is on LinkedIn, I'm curious: are there any kind of like common pitfalls or stumbling blocks that folks tend to experience that stops them from being very present on LinkedIn? Yeah. You know, I think there's a perception that LinkedIn um, 
you know, so Diane Mayer, who is, um, she has a wonderful podcast as well. She called, she was like, isn't LinkedIn, you know, TikTok stuffy corporate grandpa. And I was like, oh my God, that's the best description that I have heard for that perception around like what a lot of people think LinkedIn still is. And I will say, you know, LinkedIn is older than MySpace. Like LinkedIn is old. Like it's been around for a long time and it has evolved. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love that you mentioned this because I I kid you not, um, my grandmother she learned how to use a tablet recently and was suddenly like learning how to message and text. And then to us, to all of the grandchildren, like myself included, it was like, what? Grand can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, because you mentioned that LinkedIn has been around for quite some time, but it's learning a couple of the tricks. So like you said, like some of the features are not quite there, but they're getting there. It literally simulates the, the kind of, um, just kind of the, the progression of, um, you know, the hipness, so to speak. <laughs> yes. Grandpa is really trying to be hip. Grandpa's really <laughs> trying to work on its, on its, on its, you know, social game. And it's, and it's working. Like it's, it's come a long way. Um, you know, that perception that LinkedIn is very that like uber professional, stuffy, corporate. You have to put on a mask when you're there. You have to pretend to be this like you know, rocket scientist, brilliant person, um, like you have to put on airs about you. Or the other piece of that is that people don't use LinkedIn until they feel like they are whatever enough, right? They're like, oh, mm. if I have another credential, I'll be ready to post on LinkedIn. Oh, if I just have five more years of experience, I'll be ready to show up as an expert on LinkedIn. That's one of the common perceptions I hear. There's this like nervousness around um you know, having to be a certain way. But what I'll say about that, I think LinkedIn has changed a lot, especially since sort of the COVID pandemic. I think Mm -hmm. that just as there has been a humanization of the workforce, as all of us are kind of getting a peek into each other's living rooms and like, you know, (laughs) that, 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 that wall has sort of been broken down and you can really build a personality driven brand on LinkedIn, right? It's not just about looking for work. It's not just about showing up as this like, you know, unapproachable expert. Um, You can share your personal stories. You can share like funny things. You can share, you know, real, authentic, raw, vulnerable things that are going on. I just think, you know, as long as you're tying it back to a business lesson or something about the mission around your business, um, you don't have to be this like buttoned up corporate robot on LinkedIn. Like some people think, you know, you have to be yeah oh gosh I, I will have to admit myself that it's still when you mentioned that you have to be a certain way I'm like yeah I do feel like I need to show up prim and proper so to speak yes. <laughs> it definitely yes. feels like that I haven't quite gotten used to the storytelling aspect on LinkedIn Instagram stories or like anytime <laughs> right. you know, more than more than happy to but LinkedIn there's still that um I feel like I'm still being like watched over by grandpa. So just be- <laughs> 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 But my my grandfather, like I remember he was always such a like jolly fellow, you know. <laughs> like maybe yeah. I should actually think of tic- um TikTok, think of LinkedIn as my actual grandfather. It's like, no, I just want to have fun and smile and like just have a good time. <laughs> That's a great tip. Or, you know, think about your favorite business mentor who really like devote, like, for example, when I worked for the nonprofit, I had a mentor who really took me under her wing and like really became like a second mom to me. Like she flew like 5,000 miles to go to my wedding, you know, like she really. And so like, I would write posts as if you were writing to that beloved mentor who, yes, like is a professional connection, I guess, but 
you know, it's like you're having a one-on-one connection with her, like right just for that person, you know, right for that person that you want to make proud, right for that person that, um, you know, wants to see you succeed in your business journey. And maybe try that on and see if that helps your, um, helps that inclination to want to really show up prim and proper. Cause you are not the only one. I think a lot of people don't use LinkedIn because they have that kind of that barrier. Mm. Oh, I love that tip, you know, right to, you know, someone who you'd like to, who is a professional, but someone who you can personally relate to. And that actually reminds me of a tip that I used to share with others when back when I used to do YouTube videos, I would literally place a picture of my best friend, (laughs) like near the the camera, just as if I was speaking directly to her. So it's taking that very same idea, um, but just applying a slightly different persona to it. But yeah, I love that. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that so much. And, you know, if, if a business mentor is not coming to mind, it could also be your most favorite client. It could be, you know, a business bestie that always cheers you on because LinkedIn is great for finding potential clients, but it's also a great place for finding referral sources and amplifiers and people who are down to have you on their stages and people who will just talk you up in rooms that you're not even in, you know? So it's not just about one thing. I think you can really build a beautiful, rich, diverse community of people who can support you in many different ways, an ecosystem, if you will. Mm. Oh, I love that. I'm all about the ecosystem. Mm. Oh, so now that we've actually like got now feet wet, so to speak, <laughs> like now, now that we're talking about ecosystems, I think of little tide pools, thanks to my friend, um, Safira Rajan. Uh, she, like, she and I both share a love for the ocean. And um, she talks about rock pools, tide pools, like being like little mini ecosystems, how everything like works beautifully together. Um, so I'm just kind of like going along with that reference there. But now that we've got our feet wet a little bit, I would love to dive in more into your you your philosophy of it being lazy on LinkedIn. So what does that mean? That obviously appeals to me because I'm like, I am not here to be like all day, every day on social media, but how can I still be fairly present without feeling like it's like a huge, um, you know, it takes so much of my time and my energy um, to, yeah. to be on there. You know, what, what's going to make it worth it? So tell us like, how did you start thinking about it in this way? And we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one thing that I noticed pretty quickly on LinkedIn it, versus other social media platforms is that our content has a much longer shelf life on there. So if any of you listeners have been posting on LinkedIn, you may notice that your content is still getting engagements and comments and likes, and like you're getting messages from people saying, oh, this really resonated with me, you know, even weeks after the initial post was made versus, you know, other social media platforms, it just doesn't have that same shelf life. And a part of the reason for that is, you know, LinkedIn has, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of followers, uh, people, uh, people that are on the platform. And 12% of people that are active LinkedIn users actually visit the site on a daily basis. So it is, you know, it's a hub of energy. There's a lot of people on there. It's one of the major, major social media platforms. But one of the most interesting statistics I found about LinkedIn is that only 3% of active users actually post content on any kind of regular basis. And that just brings up the fact again, that we've got a lot of lurkers. We've got a lot of luxurious lurkers on there. And so <laughs> in their lounge chair. <laughs> in their lounge chair <laughs> sipping their drinks. And so what that really brings to mind for me is like 
LinkedIn is a hub of of information and relationship, but not everybody is really like in the arena. People are just watching. And so if you do decide to start sharing content on LinkedIn and sharing your insights, your perspectives, your opinions, there's a lot of room for you, you know, because LinkedIn is not yet saturated in terms of the content. Your, your organic reach can still be very high. Um, and you really have a lot of discoverability on LinkedIn. And part of that is because of the way LinkedIn was made. I mean, it was literally made to be a business development, like network growing place. And so, you know, the algorithm does a really good job of if you share something and one of your beloved clients does happen to leave a comment, their connections are going to start seeing your content, even if you two are not already connected yet. And chances are your beloved clients have other people in their networks. They have other people in their audience who are likely good fits for you as well, because they probably belong to the same sector. They have similar challenges, similar similar things going on. And so LinkedIn's algorithm becomes a really helpful way for you to just sort of like automatically (laughs) connect with more people who are like the people that you're already connected with. You know what I mean? And it tends to be an audience that for the most part, can invest in your services. I, I, there was a stat, I read a stat once that, um, um, over like over half of the internet users who make over 75 K per year are active users on LinkedIn. It's more of like that business corporate, um, you know, space. The other thing too, I'll share about LinkedIn is when I'm on there, I am on there with a intentionality to, do businessy things, if you will, like grow my professional network, see what my colleagues are doing, see what conferences are going on. What are the trends in my, in my industry? Who's changing jobs? Who's starting a new business? Who's, you know, doing this, this, and that versus like I mentioned before, when I'm on Instagram, and again, this might be a personal story, but when I'm on Instagram, I'm like, Ooh, what pasta recipes can I find? Like, Ooh, (laughs) what are, what are all these cute dogs I'm following up to these days? You know, it's just a different mindset. It is, And so all that to say, all of that creates um, sort of an ecosystem or a platform that is really meant to be like, you don't have to be on there every single day because there's an understanding, sort of a shared understanding that when you're on LinkedIn, like we're, we're, we're folks that are, you know, busy building our businesses. And so if I get a DM and I don't respond to it till the next week, it's fine. Like truly, like the the pace is not as rapid Mm. as other social media platforms that I found. You don't have to be on there every day. In fact, if, especially if you're just getting started on LinkedIn, I wouldn't do any more than like once per week. That is more than enough. That's what I did as a nonprofit ED for many, many years. And, you know, just that brought us so many beautiful resources. And as I started my consulting business, even though my consulting business is literally around LinkedIn, I posted just one time per week for a long time. And I've just started to share a little bit more. And the only reason for that is because I have such a like library of content now that I'm just a repurposing machine, you know? Um, but um, so those are some of the reasons why I think being lazy on LinkedIn helps or is, is possible. And if you want, I can talk a little bit more about sort of like my my 3C framework that, you know, I, oh, yes, I wouldn't, we love okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's all about the framework. It makes it so easy and easy to remember. And yeah, I love a good framework. So yeah. So I have this kind of like 3C framework and the three C's are clarity, 
content and community. So those are the three things that I would start to really like hone in on and think about if you are going to go on a lazy on LinkedIn journey, because those are the three things that really makes our con- our presence on LinkedIn as deep and powerful as possible. So the first thing is around like really getting clarity in your brand message, right? Like, why do you do what you do? Who do you serve? Like all of those sort of foundational questions Because if you are kind of posting about all kinds of things and just, you know, um, I mean, to, to some extent, I think it's fine because I do believe in visibility and sharing as a self-expression journey and it can sometimes be a healing journey, you know, so Mm -hmm. I don't want to poo-poo on that at all. But if you're really wanting to use LinkedIn to like get clients or build up a strong referral system or really use it to find, you know, um, amplifiers who are going to book you on their stages. I would get really clear about what your purpose, like what your goal is. What is your number one goal for using LinkedIn? Is it one of the three things I just mentioned? Is it something else? And, you know, really hone in on what that is and start to craft all of your presence on LinkedIn sort of around that, which brings me to the second C, which is content. And we've talked a little bit about that, but, you know, I would focus on posting, you know, one valuable piece of content per week, you know, maybe with a CTA to invite that person to their next, you know, next step of their relationship with you. And, you know, we could talk about content all day long. So, you know, we can talk about that if you want, but my favorite C um, is actually community. That's my favorite C. And, and oftentimes when people are really they're like, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm posting all the time. Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Well, first of all, you're not doing anything wrong. There is no wrong. You can't get this wrong. Um, But I do think that one of the uh, things that folks sometimes forget about is the deep ability to build really beloved community on LinkedIn. Um, You know, and that looks like engaging with the people who are engaging in your content, sending them a DM, you know, inviting them to a coffee chat or an event or an event off of LinkedIn, right? Um, You know, how are you actively building community with the people that you're that are kind of like showing up for you on LinkedIn? Because those are the people who will end up, you know, like I said before, referring you, um, um, just, you know, getting you to that next level, talking about you in rooms that you're not in. Um, I think LinkedIn is a really, really beautiful place to build community that are just that rally for you, right? They become your ambassadors. And now when I post on LinkedIn, the people that are showing up for me and engaging in my content, they are, they are my community members, right? They're not always going to be my clients. Those are kind of the the lurking, the lurking folks, (laughs) but you know, they're, they're like commenting on things. They're cheering me on. And that just makes it so much easier to show up when you have that sort of cheering squad that is showing up for you and you're showing up for them, right? It's, it's a, it's a two-way relationship. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I was, I was going to ask like, what does your community look like on LinkedIn? Because of course it looks, um, you know, community means different things to different people, but for you it's having a kind of like a hype squad of people who are supporting you um, as you are showing up. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and, you know, because of that, like mycelium, like, you know, network of, of LinkedIn, the fact that my community is my cheerleading squad is engaging in my posts means the people in their networks are starting to see my name come up as well, you know? Uh So it just continues to have that ripple effect that Mm -hmm. is again, invisible, but over time it does result in real, you know, clients, revenue, and all of those different markers of success, whatever they may be for you and your business. Mm, 
Oh, I love that. I think it's just um, everything that you've shared so far in this conversation has very much been about trusting in the unseen and that the fruits of your labor will come. <laughs> um, yes. And it's, it, it's hard because um, a lot of, I think something that I started, I think when I recently posted on LinkedIn, it was a snippet from when I just finished my Japanese jiu-jitsu exam. And um, my partner and I wanted to film a, a short clip of like our favorite move. And because we normally don't film um, when we're in our lessons because of the faces of everybody else. But um, when I, I remember when I posted it, one of my long-standing peers, um, we used to be in a, um, we used to be like in a peer group, uh, like a peer mastermind sort of thing. And what she shared in the comments was just so insightful. And it was very much about how, you know, people don't realize how much hard work has gone into it that's happened in private, basically. And most most people only see what you show in public um, and just to basically shine a light on all the hard work and the effort that you're doing in private. And and that's what I'm thinking of um, from all the things that you shared so far. It's like there's a lot of things that's going to be happening and I can definitely speak to what you said that your posts they do have a longer shelf life <laughs> they definitely yeah. do because I get notifications from a post I've commented on quite a while back like several weeks right. in the past I'm like oh wow this is still going on <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and I think it definitely speaks to what you said about um the statistic that says that's about 3% of LinkedIn users are actively posting. And when you right. said the words, there's room for you, I mm. cannot even begin to tell you how much relief that felt in my body. My body felt it. It was like, ah, oh, it's like I was sinking into my lounge chair. <laughs> <laughs> but not from a lurking perspective, but from, like, right. oh, from a content, content creation perspective. And I do want to touch up on that as well, um, because you said that you can go a bit deeper into um like because content there are so many different ways that we can go about creating and because you know LinkedIn is your thing I would love to know how do you go about creating content like do you have particular pillars any buckets that you kind of pull from do you cycle through different patterns like what's your process like Yes, that's such a good question. I will mention, um, and I'll mention this at the end too. I know you're going to share it in the show notes, but I do have a resource that will, it has 14 prompts that you can use to really come up with your own, you know, uh, thought leadership content to really move the needle in your business. So check that out. And what I'll share about my process is it is a little bit organic. I do have these sort of like prompts and questions that I do think about often, and I do tend to kind of rotate through them, but you know, Back in my nonprofit executive director days, I didn't really have a plan. I was just like, oh, let me just share a story. And what would happen is I would be, I would be, I would look through my camera roll and see, okay, what did I do over the last week? Like what has been going on? And often, you know, this was pre-pandemic, of course, but I was always going to like fundraising galas and, you know, board meetings and um committee networking gatherings and all of these kinds of things. And so I would share pictures of those events, but I wouldn't just share the picture. I would share like, why is this important? Why did we gather? What is the, what was the goal of that meeting? Like it may have been um, a, you know, I was in, involved with um, like a, like a human trafficking anti-human trafficking organization here in Orange County. And so I would share about like what the committee was gathering to do, like what was coming up, what events were coming up, you know, what was our you know goal for that year? And as I would share about them, 
again, like I can't stress this enough. It didn't seem like anything was happening, but the next time I'd go to a networking gathering, somebody would come up to me and say, oh, I saw that you are on that committee. I actually like, I'm really, really interested in this topic. Like how can I get involved? Right. And so I, I know that this isn't like as granular as maybe, you know, I could be, but I would really share about the why behind what's going on in your world, whether it's an in-person gathering, whether it's a launch you're getting ready to do, whether it's a podcast episode, whether it is, um, you know, a video of your jujitsu, you know, (laughs) class, like why is this important? And what's that golden thread that ties back to your sort of like ultimate vision and mission? Because if you really live in that space of sharing, like why things are important, people listen in a different way. Like they, they, it changes their hearts and minds, you know? It does. The power of stories and the power of the why. It shows the intention and why people start, why people stay and stick with their path. And um, I really love that because it's, it's, it's challenging um, when you're not quite sure where to find your footing in a new environment, in a new social media platform. But when you kind of ground yourself with your own why, it kind of like helps you remember why you even started on LinkedIn in the first place, which is very meta, actually. <laughs> it is very meta. And you, I mean, 100%, it makes you fall in love with your work again when you really root into your why. It keeps you going on those hard days. You know, it's 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 huge. And the second thing that I would add to the question around content is like, think about how you can infuse community elements into your posts. Like if, for example, in my um, example, where I talked about sharing a post about like going to a, you know, committee meeting and like the work that we were doing and why it's important, I would tag all of the other people on that committee. You know, if I was doing a post about, um, you know, my upcoming lawn, let's say that, um, I have a friend, like a client friend who just launched her first book. And so as she would do posts about it, she would tag all of the people who are involved in the creation of that book, her book coach, her designer, her, um, her husband, who was like part of her cheerleading squad, like, you know, make it not just about you, but about your entire community and actually tag Mm -hmm. them. And that does, you know, multiple things. Of course, it's just great from a community building aspect and you want to give the people in your world their flowers but on a secondary aspect you know linkedin will um you know start to show your post to the people in their network again even yes. if you're not connected so it just continues to grow your sphere of influence you know mm, that ripple effect yes absolutely love that so you mentioned community posts you mentioned sharing your whys with your stories like kind of the behind the scenes sort of like what's What's the story with a certain picture? Is there any other advice um, that you have for us when it comes to creating content on LinkedIn? You know, this goes for not just LinkedIn, this goes for everything, but I'm on a big repurposing kick right now. I'm getting ready. Um, it's right now, as we are recording, I'm getting ready to go on sort of a mini sabbatical for a month. Ooh. Like I'll still be, I'll still somewhat be working. I'm not look. I'm, but it's a, it's a big step back from my normal pace and cadence of not just client work, but also content creation. So I'm pre-scheduling a lot of things. And for many of us who are, who many, many people who are listening, there's probably content you've already created whether it's on YouTube or a podcast or really anything. It could be webinars that you've done. And, you know, that content is still valid and amazing 
because of, you know, there are people who weren't in your audience the first time you shared it. Sometimes sometimes something needs to be shown quite a few times before people can really internalize it. Or maybe they, your audience member is in a different part of their life or their business and they were when, when you first shared it. So really, you know, repurpose, 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 repurpose. And on LinkedIn, you can go into your analytics and see your best performing posts from the last, you know, whatever time frame. You can do it up to 365 days in the past. And so I would encourage everybody who has posted at least a little bit on LinkedIn to check out their LinkedIn analytics. It's native to the platform. You can go right in there and look at it. Um, it helps if you have turned on creator mode um, because that gives you the best analytics but you can see which of your posts have the most impressions and which have the most engagements. And I always like to go off of engagements um, and just look at your top 10 posts from the last year and literally just take them and sort of repackage them. Maybe start with a new hook, share a different picture, but you don't have to change a lot about it for it to still have that beautiful resonant effect. And because you know that these are the pieces of content that sort of vibed the most with your audience, um, that's, that's what I would do. That's what I'm doing actively right now. As I get ready for this next month of kind of being even more lazy on LinkedIn, lazy, lazy in life, just sabbatical vibes. So yeah, don't be afraid to repurpose. Mm. Oh, I, I just had a conversation with a dear friend about repurposing as well. And we spoke about, um, pretty much the same things. And the, the thing that I said back to her was like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm at the center of someone else's universe because I'm not even at the center of my own universe. So why, <laughs> <laughs> so why would I be at the center of somebody else's? And it just goes to show, like, like you said, I, I love that you mentioned that when someone has probably first seen it when in um, when they join your community, they may have been in a different space in their life, in their business. So your advice or your insights weren't particularly applicable back then. But um, but now that they've grown, they've shifted um, their perspectives, like now would probably be the right time. And so that's like the ultimate permission slip because um, content creation isn't necessarily the biggest challenge, but um, content mm-hmm. re- redistribution. like Right. Um, and you mentioned about um, giving it a new hook. So not just simply copy and pasting, but um, h- how do you decide yourself um, like what mm-hmm. things to change um, when you're repurposing yeah. the content? Yeah. So oftentimes I'm inspired, you know, like sometimes there'll be a different story that I, that just happened to me that um, might be uh, just as good of a story that I can insert into a post. Um, sometimes I'll make it just look differently. Like before it was just a text post and maybe this time I'll turn it into a carousel where it's like just words on a Canva carousel that I share. Um, sometimes it'll be a post where I kind of ask a lot of different questions or like the point of the post was to get, you know, feedback from the audience and get them to write comments. And maybe I'll turn that into a poll on LinkedIn, right? So maybe it'll be a different, um, what's that word? Like a different format, right? Mm -hmm. A different type of post. Um, Sometimes, you know, I could take multiple posts that did really well and turn them into one longer LinkedIn article. And so LinkedIn articles are a little bit different from posts. They you can they can be as long as you want them to be. And you can also incorporate more like media elements. Like you can embed a link to your podcast. You can embed a YouTube video. You can include pictures. And the beautiful thing about LinkedIn articles is that they are actually indexed by Google. So they can, they come up on Google searches. And so that is a little bit of a, of a benefit there. Um, So that might be another way to kind of repackage up some things. Um, 
you know, if you, another thing you could do is actually go live, which we haven't talked about yet, but I'm having a lot of fun with my LinkedIn lives. And actually you and I did a LinkedIn live together, which was so great. (laughs) I love that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We've got to link that in the comments because it was so good. And, you know, I remember we were on there. Um, so we have, so LinkedIn lives, you can't do them natively on LinkedIn. You have to use a third party streaming platform, which I use StreamYard. And you can't always see who's there. And I remember us having that conversation and it was a great conversation. And then at the end, there were all these comments like, thanks for a great conversation. I was like, I didn't even know you all were here. You were all here just, <laughs> just listening and not letting me know. So um, yeah, like you can take a post that has done really, really well and then decide to actually host a LinkedIn live going deeper on that topic, you know, if you're comfortable mm. going live. Um, so those are some ways just off the cuff that I think you can repurpose old pieces that have done well with your audience into sort of a new fresh way. Mm. Oh, I love that. And you've given us plenty of examples like in my head when you're going, I was like, oh yeah, I could do this. I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. All right. So it seems like creating content isn't actually the struggle, but it's mainly the just getting used to a platform, especially if you're not used if you're not like familiar with it yet and actually now that you've broken down some statistics about you know how it works and how that it has a there's more longevity to the post that we do there's repurposing um opportunity all this and the other so it definitely seems well at least from my perspective anyway I just feel a lot more calmer (laughs) at the thought of of, uh, moving forward with this so as we just start to wrap up here Tanya I'm curious to know You've mentioned a lot of tips and advice and it's been awesome. And so for someone who's not quite sure where to start, what is one actionable tip that you would recommend for them to get started with LinkedIn? Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of doing this in community, like with other people who are also trying to get visible on LinkedIn. Um, I think it eases a lot of those fears around like, oh, am I going to like post something and just get crickets and feel like a loser, you know, which by the way, nobody will think you are if your initial posts don't get a lot of traction. That's a story we make up often, which I totally understand. Um, So I would find like one or two other people, maybe they're business besties you already have. Maybe, you know, you can, in your next couple of coffee chats, you can kind of ask like, Hey, are you, are you active on LinkedIn? Do you want to be more active? I'm looking for a accountability buddy to show up on LinkedIn together. Right. And then maybe you, the, two of you, three of you, whatever, this small group of people can commit to showing up, you know, one time per week and you can all decide to engage in each other's posts. Right. And it's just a small little, you know, it's a small little group of people, like a pod almost. But I think that sometimes that it's like going to the gym, it's like starting to go to the gym or starting to do any kind of new habit. It's always easier when you have an accountability buddy. And this actually has an exponential effect because as you engage in each other's content, it starts to show that post to new people organically. Right. So that's what I would try. Yes, definitely. And um, I think that without us actually formally arranging it, um, you and I and our friend Danielle Tucker as well, we seem to be each other's hype squad without actually coming up with a formal arrangement around that. Because whenever I see um, you showing up, I'm like, oh, it's Tanya. I'm like, oh, it's Danielle. <laughs> and I absolutely love that. So, yeah, so find a study buddy, a, a LinkedIn cheerleader, and just like hype each other up and slowly but surely again, the fruits of your labor will begin to show. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Fab. So that is our action step 
for the day. And because you mentioned a resource um, about some some content prompts, uh, where can we go to get that? Tell us more about that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So oftentimes, it's not that we, sometimes we have so many ideas that it's hard to come up with a post for the day, right? And I totally understand like being at the computer with the blinking cursor in Word or in Google Docs, <laughs> just being like, oh, what do I talk about? And so these prompts, there's 14 different ideas that will, essentially, they're almost like questions They're asking you questions to start to tease out those insights, that wisdom, that perspective, those lived experiences, those things that make you credible, the things that you're passionate about, you know, and really start to share pieces of yourself and your humanity and your why with your audience. So I would love for you to check that out. I think there's going to be a link to those prompts in the show notes. Um, And then the other place I would say, obviously LinkedIn, you know, definitely come find me on LinkedIn. Like let's definitely stay connected and, and support each other. I'd love to meet you there on LinkedIn. And then the last place, you know, you're listening to this podcast. So you're a podcast listener. Um, I have a podcast as well called The Campfire Circle. And it's really all about breaking down the idea of the boardroom table as the ultimate space of leadership and replacing it with a campfire circle, which I see as a place where we can really safely share our stories, scary stories and other Um <laughs> where we're building community, like brave community that we can huddle with for warmth and where there's always room, you know? I mean, when I think of the boardroom table, I think of fighting and clawing for a seat there, but at the campfire, there's always a room, even if you're sitting on a log or, you know, a blanket or something, there's always room, there's always space. So I would say those are the three kind of places to, to get connected. Yeah. Oh gosh. And I'll definitely um, pop all of those links in the show notes. And as soon as you started to describe the campfire circle, I literally pictured one and how cozy Mm. it is and I'll bring out the smalls. (laughs) (laughs) And when um, there's not enough room, everybody takes a step back and expands the circle instead of, you know, fighting for a spot, like you said. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That sounds so wonderful and cozy. So be sure to pop all of those links there. And before you go, Tanya, I have two final questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So my semi last question is what makes you a quiet rebel I love that I love the the term quiet rebel so much it says a lot into little words so you know when I was an active fundraiser frontline fundraiser I had this perception that I had to be very loud and very like gregarious and charming and like the life of the party and like the center of every conversation and that's not me like that's that was never been me that's not my story that's not me. But what I realized through that work is by being quiet and listening and being the person, not that everybody wants to come to for like a raucous good time, but being the person that people feel safe with and where they can be themselves with and where they can confide in and where they can like share their dreams and hopes and aspirations. That was what made me a good fundraiser, you know? And so similarly, I think I'm a quiet rebel because my favorite thing to do is really to just like listen and midwife stories and, you know, be that place where new possibilities can emerge for people. And I think that takes quiet. And, and I think that it sparks rebellion because all the people I work with are changing the status quo in some way or another. Mm. Oh, I love that. Especially when you said when this could be a place where new possibilities can emerge, I was like, Oh, Gosh, that's, that's a quotable <laughs> right there. <laughs> oh, 
I love that. Thank you so much for sharing what it means for you to be a quiet rebel. And my last question for you is, what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else knows on the internet? Yes. Okay. So a handful of people know this, but I'm just going to say it anyway, because not a lot of people know it on the internet. So when I was in uh, middle school, I got voted most unique in the yearbook. I was looking through old yearbooks and stuff at my parents' house the other day, and I came across this and I was like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it made me remember that back then that was not like a happy thing. Like I didn't want to be known as unique or be considered unique. I wanted to blend in. That's where it felt safe, you know? And I just think about how much time I spent and how much time many of us spend trying to, you know, my friend Carrie Ginsburg, who's an amazing coach says like, we try to become beige. Like we just try to like fit in, go under the radar. We feel it's safer that way. And, you know, and sometimes it is, I don't want to discount that at all. But I think that when we can really lean into our most unique selves, because we all have a version of ourselves that is voted most unique. Um, that's where the magic happens. That where that's where we start to really attract the people that we most want to be around, um, whether it's in our business or our life or both. And it's also where we start to repel the people who maybe just like aren't for us. And that's okay. We can bless and release those people. So, you know, I I I think that um I was onto something, even if I didn't realize it early on. And yeah, I'm just working on leaning into my most unique self. I'm just claiming it now. Oh, I love that and can totally relate to wanting to be beige. (laughs) Not because I actually (laughs) want to be beige, but like you said, there is a safety aspect to it, especially when you're in your teens. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Especially when you're in your teens. But I love that now that you've reached adulthood, that um, this is something that you actually like, yeah, I'm going to lean into this uniqueness of mine and see where it takes me so I absolutely love that and I'll tell you I'm just so grateful that we've gotten to know each other the way that we have and that our friendship has definitely deepened so much especially at the beginning of this year in 2023 so just thank you so much for being here with us today oh well I feel the exact same way about you I'm so grateful to be connected with you in the ways that we are and thank you for this opportunity I had such a blast Oh, me too. Me too. So for everybody who's listening right now, again, all the links that you can find Tanya, whether it's on LinkedIn, um, the content prompts and uh, checking out her Campfire Circle podcast, be sure to check out in the show notes below. So thank you so, so much for tuning into this episode today. And we hope to see you around for another one in the future. Okay. Bye for now. And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Quiet Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.